I need someone to show me my place in all this. Welcome to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Deep in the bowels of the frozen ice caverns of Hoth, our hosts, Carl Eclair and Jason Hunt, discuss all things Star Wars. So join the conversation and hang out here in the Wampa's Lair. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 265, our place in all of this. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Kanan Jarrus to my cheer at Imway, we have Carl LeClaire. Oh, man, what a great team-up. Oh, imagine if the two of them got together, the things they could accomplish. Oh, yes, both blind. Uh, blind leading the blind. That's exactly what the show is. Exactly. Yep. Stop listening now. Well, it's all right. It's audio. You don't have to see anything. <laughs> right. Um, but Jason, I am so excited to say that we are not alone in this episode. Um, we have one of our all-time favorite special guests joining us tonight, making his return to the podcasting world in light of a world of changes. It's the great, it's the only, it's the beautiful, it's the wonderful, Stephen Glosson. Thank you so much. First time, long time. Steve, it's been way too long, my friend. It has been too long. It's been way too long. I but it's good to be here. Good to be with you guys. I thank you so much for putting up with me on a very special episode of Blossom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. We're doing Clarissa Explains It All. Get on the right page oh, there, Steve. Wow. Gee whiz. I'm, that's the 90s. Oh, sorry. I'm, that's right. Not all is... And I'm just out of it completely. So, um... <laughs> Jason, we're going to talk SpongeBob. Don't worry. I actually don't know if you watched that, but wow, uh, a little bit, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy that you're on, Steve, because um, I know we were talking a little bit off air, but uh, dealing with you had such a bad time with lots of technical issues with your website, so you've had to step away from podcasting for a while, and I am so honored that you you came on and. and you're going to talk officially for the first time about The Last Jedi with us. Um, and this will be our last big coverage episode on Last Jedi for, for now. Um, we've been talking about it for a month straight. So um, get some final thoughts out there from Jason and I. Get Steve, just some of your thoughts in general because I'm really curious what you thought of the movie. Mm. Um, but uh, before all of that, Jason, we did have a matchup left over from last episode. Very Last Jedi themed, of course. Of course. Um, and we had Anakin Skywalker versus the grandson, Kylo Ren. Anakin. And... <laughs> Thank you, Steve. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Um, but yeah, so we had a ton of responses from all of our, our Larians, our listeners. Um, and normally I go through and I read everyone who said everything and all that stuff. But we've got a lot to get through um, here. So I'm just going to go ahead and summarize Thank you, everyone, for contributing to the matchup. Uh, you're awesome. But our final tally, and a lot of you said this was close, although 
about half of you said it wasn't a contest. Um, I to myself, by the way. Um, we have a Larian tally of 21 for Anakin and 6 for Kylo Ren. Uh, Steve has already weighed in, as we heard before we started this, saying Anakin. Um, were, you the have six, a reason why? Were, were the 6 Kylo Ren votes sympathy votes? Is that what that was? Uh, perhaps. Uh, why do you say Anakin? Why wouldn't you say Anakin? <laughs> Kylo Ren is a ch- child who is playing <laughs> who is playing dress up in child games. Kylo Ren doesn't have the control or the power of an Anakin Skywalker. Anakin would make quick work of, of Kylo Ren. Carl, um, I'm going with Kylo because of the sympathy vote. <laughs> no, because. <laughs> Um, so I know a lot of people are saying that Anakin's, you know, got the control, the power. Sure. That's but exactly what I said. Yeah. <laughs> that was verbatim, my words. <laughs> so let me shoot him down for you, Steve. Um, <laughs> so, no, the reason I think Kylo, so everybody thinks Kylo is, you know, unhinged and, and um, unstable, which is true because we've only ever seen him go up against people that he is very personally upset and invested against um right like his his anger with luke his his disappointment in his father of course he's unhinged in those moments but let us not forget that he took out an entire academy of jedi um subverted others and younglings doesn't matter we don't know that they were all younglings luke said he he was the star pupil yeah well probably because he was the best and the fact that he i think the fact that he marches out to face luke so um with such brashness at the end of Last Jedi shows that he's he really thinks he's capable of taking on Luke. And I think Luke is probably a lot more powerful than Anakin. So, you know, I know I love Anakin. I think um, I think I can lose 50 pounds this year, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm thinking Anakin had the potential to be more powerful, but I think Kylo has a more raw strength than Anakin did. So, and Anakin, I think, was um, more. Now, if we're talking Darth Vader, I think definitely Darth Vader. But since we're talking Anakin, Anakin never got to his full potential in a way that I think Kylo is reaching. So that's why I give it to Kylo. I don't think it'd be. I don't think it'd be you know a bloodbath in Kylo's favor. I think it'd be very close. But I'm just going to give it to Kylo. I'm going to disagree with you, Carl. Um, Steve's right. Um, but uh, I'm going to give this one to Anakin. I I, I think you're right that Anakin didn't uh, make it to his full potential. But Darth Vader is not uh, is a shadow of what Anakin could have been, um, in my opinion. So Vader is imposing. He's dangerous. But if Anakin Walker had become Darth Vader and remained that you know in the young Jedi form and rather in the suit. Vader would have been much more. Uh, there would have been a lot bigger body count, I think, and he would have been much much more skilled, much more powerful. Um, by the time you know we got to a new hope, than he was. You know, not to say he wasn't powerful because obviously he is, but I think uh, Anakin is definitely. I think he's definitely more powerful than uh, Kylo, and he's got better control. And I don't think Kylo. Kylo is personally invested in Anakin as Darth Vader. And so seeing Anakin pre-Darth Vader in a matchup like this, I think would unhinge him uh, because it's not who he wants it to be. And that would 
definitely sway the, the duel in Anakin's favor. So that gives us a final tally here, though, of 23 for Anakin and 7 for Kylo Ren. Wasn't as close as I was hoping. That's why I wanted you to let me do Attack of the Clones, Anakin. Would have made a difference. Oh. So, mm. I just put Anakin out there, you know, and I let people interpret that as they may. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know about that, Carl. Oh, I do. Oh, I think so. I don't uh, know. Yeah. You know what? You're going to pay for all the Jedi you killed today, Dooku. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take him together. You're going slowly. No, I'm taking no, him, I'm taking him yeah. now. Hmm. He's mine now. I'm going to get him. <laughs> no, I can, no, no. As you can see, my Jedi powers are far beyond yours. Now, back down. Mm-mm, I don't think so. <laughs> That's my best Ewan McGregor impression. Oh, is that what that was? Spot on. I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was spot on, Carl. Thank you. Thank you, Steven. <laughs> um... Master so, Kenobi, you disappoint me. You would have holds you in such high esteem. Surely you can do better. Probably my favorite line of Dooku's. Anyways, I'm sorry. I'm derailing the show. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, everybody loves Attack of the Clones. Mm. On this show. Mm. Um, I said some sarcasm there, Carl. Yeah, I didn't mean it to be, though, because I do enjoy it. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. <laughs> I was like, that's a weird thing for Carl to do on the show about Star Wars. <laughs> um, well, before we hop into the the discussion of more Last Jedi, just a quick reminder to all of you who support the show on Patreon, or those of you who don't support the show on Patreon, um, if you'd like to have access to our now uh, weekly mini-episodes, which are probably going to range from about five to ten minutes is all, but um, every other week it'll be a different different. Uh, subject matter so i'm calling my particular piece my bi-weekly piece wampa reflections and it's essentially i'll take a quote of some kind from the star wars universe briefly unpack what i think it means in the context of the star wars galaxy but then also unpack as to what i think it can say to us in our own real world so basically i'm i'm copying the idea of like you know like those little spiritual guidebooks where you like read a quote from the bible and it tells you what it means this is me doing that with Star Wars, but I'm telling you what it means in Star Wars and then what it could mean to your life. So um, <laughs> uh, I did the first one last week. So as, uh, as long as you pledge a buck, you'll get, a, you'll get access to these. And then, Jason, what are you going to be doing again? I actually I'm I, I do know. Be... I just wanted you to, to remind people. Right. Well, I'm going to be doing uh, little character uh, episodes where I'm going to take a look at a background character. Um, from one of the Star Wars movies or TV shows or something and just sort of do, hey, here's who this is and, you know, check them out, that sort of thing. Because Star Wars is full of awesome characters that get, you know, less than three minutes of screen time or just blink and you'll miss them. So uh, highlight some of them because they'll never get a full episode on the show. So uh, just sort of say, hey, and besides, I want to be able to talk about, you know, Kit Fisto or Captain Kennedy or something like that. Uh, on the show some way. So that's, that's how that's going to happen. <laughs> I hope the first episode is on captain Kennedy. It very might well be. Excellent. Um, Steve, do you remember captain Kennedy? I have no idea who that is. <laughs> it's the dreadnought captain from the last Jedi. The one who wanted to launch the Starfighters five bloody minutes ago, uh-huh. uh, which about the time we should have started the podcast. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk some Probably Last the best, Jedi. 
he probably also had the best sneer in all of Star Wars as the ship blew up. Um, <laughs> anyway, sorry, I interrupted Carl. No, it's okay. I, you know, I'm just just trying to start the episode. No big deal. Um, boy, that sounded really <laughs> snarky. I apologize. <laughs> You're just full of the sarcasm and the snark yeah. on this episode, Carl. Yeah, I guess so. You, you bring out the best in him, Steve. Yes, yeah, Steve. Yeah. So um, the the first thing I kind of really want to talk about, um, and obviously, Steve, if there's anything you want to bring up, just bring it up because I don't care. And I know you haven't really – I don't think – you. yeah, you haven't publicly said anything about this. So I'm really curious um, about your general thoughts. But the first thing I wanted to bring up, and we, we still haven't that explicitly talked about this, Jason, but – um, the role of Luke in The Last Jedi, right? I think that is the biggest still to this day, the biggest issue folks still have with the movie, um, regardless of anything else, is the portrayal of Luke, right? And we all know Mark Hamill, you know, um, disagreed with the way Ryan wrote the character, um, but he did very clearly come around to it. I mean, there are a lot of internet trolls out there who like to splice together old old clips and pass them off as if they're the full fullness of truth. Um, but, uh, that would not be the case. Mark is, Mark Hamill has been very clear that he came around understanding what Ryan did with the character and agreed with it. Um, but, uh, I just kind of want to look at just, just very quickly, like the difference between our expectation of who Luke Skywalker was supposed to be in the last Jedi. And then the Luke Skywalker that was in the last Jedi. Um, so because I know I'm not alone in this, I want to get both of your takes on this, but what was your expectation? Who was Luke Skywalker supposed to be in your eyes come The Last Jedi? Steve, I'll let you take that first. Okay. Um, I genuinely thought, based on the fact that he had put himself in exile, that's what we knew from The Force Awakens, I really felt like he was not going to warm to Rey immediately and that he would he would be almost what he was. Like, I, I was not shaken by the experience of Luke Skywalker in this movie. Um, I, it, it, was, it was basically what I thought would happen because he, he was going to end up being the reluctant teacher. Now, I expected him to come around in a different way than he did. Um, but, you know, I, but I, I was not disappointed in how he did or did not come around, if that makes sense. Um, I, I feel like my, I feel like my expectations across the board were generally met because I had very low expectations going into this movie. Um, I didn't, I didn't really get fired up about the last Jedi for whatever reason. I don't know. Um, I felt like the last 45 minutes of rogue one was one of the best star Wars movies of this new era. And, 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 and I just kind of got cooled on Star Wars in, in the latter months of 2018. And I think that really helped me uh, accept Luke for what we saw. Um, and, and, yeah, so as far as expectations go with him, I think he was exactly what I thought he'd be, that reluctant teacher uh, who didn't want anything to do with Ray, just the same way that Yoda was like, he's too old to begin the training. But whereas I think Yoda was testing Luke, the difference is there where Luke was – genuinely not wanting to mess with i mean he it's time for the jedi to end and you know fortunately they gave us that line in that first big trailer we got because in doing so we kind of knew you could kind of glean a little bit about the path that luke had been on and so i think i think i rightly guessed that luke had 
looked into the history of the Jedi and felt like that all the galaxy's problems were their fault. And so rather than try to build this religion back up the way it was, let's just wipe it out and do something new. Hmm. What, what about you, Jason? What were your kind of thoughts? Um, I, you know, especially seeing what happens in fandom when you go in with too many expectations, I always do my, my best to try and forego any expectations whenever I go see a, a movie, a Star Wars movie in particular. So it, it doesn't always work, but I do my best to try and do that. Uh, with Luke, um, I'm really glad we got a lot of the, the, the stuff ahead of time, you know, like what we got in the trailers with him what they were saying in some of the uh, interviews before the movie came out uh, because that helped really curb what, you know, what I was personally feeling uh, we were going to be getting out of Luke. Uh, and the, the line that really I locked into to really kind of give me a whole, an idea for how all of this was going to go with Luke is when he says, this isn't going to go the way you think. Uh, and so that was kind of like in the back of my head every time I thought about Luke. And so I kind of caught myself, you know, trying to avoid creating a speculation. But I think all of us wanted him to do something, to do something epic, to do something amazing, uh, to return to Jedi form uh, somehow. And while he did that in a way, it was definitely not the way I was expecting um, or hoping um, I suppose, you know, I wanted him to sort of, you know, actually step in and return to the galaxy. Uh, although, because he can return as a forest ghost, I knew the likelihood of him dying was, you know, significant. Uh, but what we got was uh, was great and worked for me because I was <laughs> working so hard to not foist my expectations on what he was supposed to do, uh, but I was having to be very active in not creating uh, an image of what he was supposed to be, um, which is really hard to do with speculating and thinking about Star Wars all the time. So, hmm. Sure. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think the general consensus, though, is there was an expe- expectation, like you said, Jason, that he'd do something big and epic and heroic. Um, return to that, you know, Jedi form of glory. I mean, imagine if they had never hinted at any of this stuff beforehand. People probably would have been 8,000 times more furious than than they were. Um, even knowing, right, that going into it, Luke was going to be in a very different place than we were expecting. Um, I think, uh, you know, in a way, the Legends canon really... And I don't mean this as a slam, but it, it's done a disservice to the sequel trilogy in so far is that it's given us all these expectations about what happened to our heroes, right? What happened to the well, big three? Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm going to push back on that a little bit. Okay. Because I'll tell you who's done a disservice are the fans of the legends by being the, the crapsters that they've been online. And I'm sorry, I know that there are legends fans and EU fans out there, old EU fans that I hate to hear that, but but a lot of the crap that's been stirred up has come from that sector of fandom, and it has centered around Luke. You're right, but at the same time, as this Luke in the in the old legends was being written, there was not an eye to the fact that oh, we'll one day have seven, eight, and nine. 
Um, you know, it was it was what we've got is what we've got. I mean, when you go back to the '90s to Heir to the Empire, um, you know, the, the prequels were not even a, a thought yet for any fan. Um, you know, it wouldn't be until after that trilogy came out that the whispers really that the you know the rumor mill really started cranking up again. And and even then, only hardcore fans on certain newsletters and you know who are grabbing every sci-fi magazine or whatever, you know, would, would see that and, and would begin to know that. And, um, <clears throat> I mean, I know when 97, when the special editions came out, I had no clue. Even at that point, it was the prequels, you know, that, that were coming. And, and so I, I just say all that to say this, that, you know, I, I don't know. I understand what you mean, but at the same time, I don't think we can blame legends canon for people's expectations. Luke, outside of the fact that, there are people who just could not let this go. And and I'm really surprised with myself because I had no problem letting the EU go when they said, all right, this is all just now legends. I was like, okay, I'm doing that. You know, that's cool. We need, to, we need to start afresh and start anew. We need to free up everybody who's going to be telling stories from this point on. Um, my issue with anything that is there with Luke comes from this. I watched Return of the Jedi um, on New Year's Eve. Me too, Steve. And Did you time was, the Death Star explosion to the midnight as well? Sure. Okay. Yeah. I screwed but up. I, did, I screwed up my math. I, I was four seconds off. It blew up four seconds early. But I did Return of the Jedi. Okay. And um, and just watching that movie, and and at the end with the big Ewok rave and everything, <laughs> you know, everyone's happy. Everything is kind of. You know that there's work to be done, and you get that, you know, just from a, if you want to take the fairy tale out of it, but it's got a very, and they lived happily ever after feel mm-hmm. to the end of Return of the Jedi. And so for 40 years, in my mind, I could go back to Return of the Jedi and say, and they lived happily ever after. Well, now, I, and I'm rounding up everybody, don't get technical with me. <laughs> um, and... And now, after 2015, 16, um, well, no, they didn't live happily ever after. Uh, in fact, they had a terrible marriage. Uh, they spawned a child that went completely dark, killed his father, ran his uncle off, you know, the hero of the galaxy. And, and, and the empire just, out of the ashes, the empire rose this first order that seems a bit more vicious, um, you know, in, in the way that they handle things, there's the, the empire for all of its evil did uh, Palpatine had a little finesse to what he was doing. You know, it, it was, you think about it, it. It's not until 20 years after revenge of the Sith that he actually wipes out the Senate. And that's in, in one line of dialogue in a, in the, in a new hope. So, you know, you, you've got a situation where they're just like, we're blowing up the whole Republic and they did it. And, and I'm just looking, I'm like, man, what, you know, I just miss my happy ending. I miss my happily ever after. And unfortunately with Luke in this film, you, you just see the extent that you didn't get that, um, for him. And you really wanted him to be able to pass on what he'd learned. And, and, and I think we all had dreams of the new Jedi order and we all had ideas and visions. But again, I recognize as a grown butt man that you got to check your expectations at the door uh, or you get 1999 all over again. And that's kind of what we've had online for the past month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's a good, 
a good exp- uh, description because especially for those of you, uh, those of us who Return of the Jedi is our favorite, uh, just definitely definitely mine. It's the whole idea that the happily ever after doesn't exactly exist anymore. Right. And mm-hmm. you know, while while the legends definitely there was conflict and stuff for quite a bit of that. Uh, you know, well, there were there were good fair, moments for, for legends. It was basically forty straight years of war. <laughs> to be fair, yeah. To, in order right. to continue no, telling right. stories, it's you know, and I'm not like, but that's the truth. Like in legends, yes. I mean, truce truce at Bakura, for instance, that very mediocre book that I tried rereading a few months ago. Why um, would you do that to yourself? I don't know. I just wanted to see what it'd be like, and it was not a fun experience. But. Right, like that picks up immediately after Return of the Jedi, and right off the bat, there's problems. And then the Thrawn trilogy only takes place like seven years later, so five years, yeah. Yeah, so I mean that sense of peace. To be fair, in the Legends canon, never really existed either. Uh, right, right. And, and and I don't and and but here's the thing we always had with Legends, or well, lots of books. Yeah, you know, movies are the movies, the books are the books. Right, and so right. you could actually separate yourself from that. Yeah, and but also the thing about the Legends canon though is, um, when you get to the end of the Thrawn trilogy, you've got a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, Truce at Bakura. You know, one of those lizards doesn't run Han Solo through on a catwalk. <laughs> you know, um, you, you, all of these, all of these, and, and and the problem with the Legends is it got to be well, the Solo children are kidnapped again. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, the biggest was... the biggest indictment against the old EU is that it got boring. Yes, and it did, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I hundred percent agree with you, and, and and so, so that's why I was okay with letting it go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like they've done a great job, uh, like especially in Rebels, of bringing back things that really worked in the EU and adapting them now into the the what's the official canon. Um, but that's a sidebar thing. When it comes to Last Jedi and, and The Force Awakens even, I, I think that what I would have hoped for for these characters I love so long, I don't mind them fading off, you know, riding off into the sunset. But I would have hoped for a riding off into the sunset rather than I got run through by my son on a catwalk and, uh, well, I almost killed my nephew, but then I didn't. But then he was confused and so... He blew me up and the whole Jedi order that I had going. And uh, now I'm going to live on this island and not talk about the force and shut myself off from the force. And, uh, and then I'm just going to die. You know, I, it's like, to me, the only consistent and not that Han Solo was inconsistent, but the only truly consistent character line through would be Leia, but she just continues to fight, you know, and that's what she's always known all her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just really hoped for these old characters, for these, you know, legacy characters that rather than, you know, these tragic death scenes and not, not that Luke's was tragic necessarily, but that we would get a kind of right off into the sunset where it's like, they're going to be okay. And if they need to pop in sometime, they'll pop in, but they've really passed the torch to this younger, this younger crew. And um, I do find it ironic that the only legacy character to die in the old EU is the is the one that appears that's going to make it through all the prequel, all the sequel trilogy. And that would be the mighty Chewbacca. (laughs) Right. Yeah. He's the only big one that ever went out. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, 
I want to. I kind of want to sink my teeth into this a little bit more. What you both have said, and and I, I couldn't agree more. Is um, and I know I've said this on previous episodes, so forgive me for this. But um, you know, the the biggest question I still have, the biggest issue I still have with the sequel trilogy is at the end of the day, why are you telling this story? Right? Does it need to be told? Because I'm with both of you. Return of the Jedi is such a perfect ending. And like you said, Steve, you know, if you step out of the fairy tale and look at it in a somewhat more realistic sense, you know, it makes sense that, like, yes, there's still work to be done. There's an empire to sweep up. There's a republic to build. Sure. Um, but, you know, all in all, it's a fairy tale happy ending. Um, and uh, I loved that. I absolutely love that we get a completion to that mythological story. And I think that's something, again, our culture is still starving for, just like it was in the 70s, which is why George wrote a modern fairy tale. Um, my biggest critique still of Last Jedi, which it's really nothing about the intricacies of the plot, characters, or anything. My biggest overall issue is that I find it too grounded in our real world. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that, and 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 and... For a lot of people, they love that, right? Like that it's become more modern, that it's, it's speaking more to our times. And I'm not my, – my only issue with that is that to me, Star Wars has always been this transcendent myth, right? Mm-hmm. That pulls us out of ourselves into a bigger world where things are just bigger and more epic and more exciting. Um, it's very black and white. But what Last Jedi has really done has turned everything gray. Um, and I know that's our real world. I, I know that life is gray. I, and I appreciate the subtlety of that. However, I have always felt that Star Wars is so strong and telling because it's a story of good versus evil. Yeah. And it's, it is above and beyond our world. And I felt like Last Jedi, Ryan just made it too much of a modern film. Um, and again, for some fans, they've loved this. Um, I, I don't want to say I hate it, but to me, that's my only standing critique still of the film is um, how how it still feels too grounded in our own reality. Um, so to me, to me, the last Jedi feels almost like a tale of, of two movies. There's a, there's a big dichotomy there with me on how I feel about it. And it comes from, and I don't want to sound too pretentious, but it comes from becoming a student of star Wars um, for 40 years of my life. You know, I've I've studied these movies. I've watched these movies over and over again. Even when I didn't realize I was studying what they were all about, I was studying. And and I feel like that what Ryan Johnson did was he he took some great Star Wars things and he took some great Star Wars motifs and ideas and he packed them into this movie. And then he did what you said, Carl. He took a little bit of the modern world and he uh, filled in any gaps that he wanted to there with that, and it caused it to not feel as timeless as mm-hmm. it should feel. I'm okay with shades of gray as long as... I mean, that's a great question you ask, Carl. Why, why are you making these movies? And at the end of the day, we have to be honest and say the only reason they're making these is to make money. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and George Lucas, um, you know, when he saw The Force Awakens, his response was, the fans will love it. Which to me, and I knew the minute I saw that response from him online, I, you know, and everyone's like, "Ooh, George says we'll all love it, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that means George hates it. That means George <laughs> does not like The Force Awakens. Yeah. And because he, he, George Lucas never did anything outside of lessening the role of Jar Jar in the prequels. He never really did anything simply to please the fans. 
George Lucas was beholden to the story that he wanted to tell. Now, whether you like that or you don't like that, that is who that man was. He was an independent filmmaker who was going to do things his way. Well, now you've got story by committee. You've got story by, you know, you've got all the pressure to make this money back that we've made and be this big blockbuster and everything. And so you're going to have the tropes of the blockbuster in these movies. And and whereas I know, I feel like Ryan Johnson did take some chances. I also feel like that he did some things, and I think you hit the nail on the head, Carl. He did some things that were not very, were not taking very many chances as far as you know, placing so much in of the morality of everything in this movie in the real world and with, with, with this real world feel to it. Um, if you, I don't know, back in the, back with the original trilogy, um, every religion was claiming star Wars because star Wars painted with such a broad paintbrush, uh, you know, the, the, the good versus evil motifs and all that stuff during the, during the original trilogy, when the prequel trilogy hit, uh, Emperor Palpatine was George W. Bush, you know, until, uh, you know, the, 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 the conservatives were able to say, no, he's more like Obama and he, no, he's more like this. And, you know, it, the whole thing of, um, the political side of things in, in, in the prequels were done in such a way where George was never saying, I'm a leftist, I'm a rightist, I'm a conservative, I'm a liberal. It was, Here's how you correct. Here's how power corrupts, and here's how the corrupt will use that power to go. And and so every side of the political spectrum could take that movie and make it their own. You know, take that prequel trilogy and make it their own from a political standpoint because it was painting in broad strokes. It wasn't telling you what to think. It was saying here is a truth about power and corruption of power and the corrupt taking power. Here is a truth about good and evil and what happens when good triumphs over evil and the way that even in the midst of someone having fallen, that love can redeem that person. And those are broad concepts and big ideas. I haven't gotten those from this sequel trilogy at all. I've gotten some great Star Wars mythology, in the sen- not a mythology in the sense of like grand myth, but in the sense of, you know, we got Luke, giving us the history of the Jedi letting Palpatine rise to power and all this stuff. And it's great to hear those names thrown around. And it's cool to see a dreadnought star destroyer. And it's, um, you know, and, and, and we get to see BB eight, you know, work on an X wing and that's great. And we get to see, uh, you know, we get to hear about the old Jedi temple and the old Jedi things. And, and man, Yoda comes back and that was a fantastic scene and I loved it. But at the end of the day, I don't know that the mythology uh, on a grander stage was really served by this film. And, and that's one of the areas where it fell short for me and, and, in a big way. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, you know, other, go uh, ahead. Well, I was just going to say, um, I remember um, I was reading the art of the force awakens book when it came mm-hmm. out a few years ago, and I'm currently reading the art of last Jedi um, that my friends let me borrow, and, uh, and it, I will say the art of Last Jedi is really, really good. Um, and I'm going to read something in a minute out of it that Ryan Johnson says that those of you who've read it will remember this. And and Steve, I'm just I, I'm wondering if this might speak a little differently to some of your thoughts. Um, I, I really appreciate what Ryan said in this one part, though, when he's talking about Luke, for instance. But in the Art of the Force Awakens book. The very beginning is all about how when, you know, J.J. got together and you know, even Michael Arndt was still like as he was on his way out, like he would meet with J.J. and then Lawrence Kasdan. 
this story group, Kathleen Kennedy, right? All of these big execs, all these story ideas were coming together. And JJ essentially asked the question, right? We all know that the infamous question Kathleen Kennedy answered or asked him, you know, who is Luke Skywalker? Um, but the question JJ was asking all the creatives he was working with was, why do we tell this story, right? Why do we need to, what does Star Wars have to say to our world today? Which to me is the perfect question. That is the, um, Steve, I completely agree. Like at the end of the day, when Disney bought this, of course, they're going to make more movies to make money. Um, I don't agree with all these like extreme haters of this movie. Like, oh, I hate Star Wars. It's only about money. And I know that's, yeah. And I know that's not what you're saying. Um, because I, I don't agree with that at all. I don't think that's the only purpose, but JJ was asking the right question. However, and I, and I know I've said this before, I don't think they've got a good answer yet. And that's mm. what I was really hoping for from last Jedi is I was hoping to get a little bit more of a, of a clearer answer as to why this movie, why these, this story needs to be told. And I still don't feel like I have an answer. So again, it's going to fall in JJ's lap now for episode nine to ultimately answer the question. Why was this story worth telling? And I remember um, years ago, before Force Awakens came out, but after the sale happened, um, I wrote like this little thing on our uh, as like a blog post uh, on our website about why I thought a sequel trilogy was actually really necessary and, and it would be a good thing. And ultimately, I said, so right, the prequel trilogy is about how the light is corrupted by the darkness. The original trilogy is about the light overcoming the darkness. To me, the pre- the sequel trilogy should be about. Um, how does the light withstand the future darkness, right? Like, so you've built something wonderful, but can it withstand a deeper threat? Mm. Um, and again, that's a very broad idea, and, and, and I'm no storyteller, but... I think, I think that's very well put, by the way, Carl. Thank you, Steve. Um, and uh, and, I, and I, I don't know that this has still really done it, only because the threat, is as bold as we're being told that this, well, at least this film is, it still hasn't done anything original with, okay, again, the First Order is just the Empire 2.0. I'm not saying I hate the First Order, but that's ultimately what it is. And to be fair, some of the new canon is, is really putting into place, like the Aftermath trilogy books, even the Battlefront 2 story. They're really you know, giving us this ancillary material of, of how the First Order came to be. Um, and to some degree, it makes sense. Um, but ultimately, what causes Luke to fail? Well, it's it's kind of the same old story. Somebody fell from the light. And I'm not saying I dislike that, um, but <coughs> ultimately I felt like it should have been a, a just like some sort of fresh new threat. The threat mm-hmm. just feels very recycled. Yeah. So I just talked a lot. So, Jason, what are you thinking, my friend? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think you guys make some great points. Um, and I. Yesterday, I, I got to see the movie again, and it was the first time I had seen it since opening weekend. Um, I just oh wow the holidays and my work schedule and, and getting ready to start a new position at work and all this stuff. I just had not been able to get around to see the movie again. Um, so I was able to see it again uh, last night for the first time since opening weekend. I still really enjoyed the movie. Um, however, uh, some of the points that you are making started to appear you know to me uh, since I've, I've had time to you know step back from the excitement of opening weekend and all the you know the stuff uh i still think it's a great movie uh star wars movie so it means about everything else um in my opinion but uh within the mythos of star wars uh there are a few boxes that remain unchecked and i think you're right that the mythology the overall mythology of the movie uh 
is a little lacking. There is space for that to be filled if we get something to uh, move that forward in uh, episode nine. But it doesn't really say much in and of itself mm-hmm. in that regard. So there is there is room for it to be interpreted um, in light of what we're going to get next to conclude this trilogy. But it doesn't give any final answers. And in some aspects, I think that's because it's the middle act of, of the trilogy. The middle act of the trilogy always asks more questions than it gives answers. Um, and so it, it's I'm trying to figure out how much of my, you know, how much of, of this discussion that we're having of, you know, trying to figure out the mythology, trying to figure out the reasoning behind things um, and that sort of thing is due to it just being uh, the, you know, the, the filmmaking or how much of that is just due to it being the middle act of a three-part story that we have no conclusion for yet. Um, and, and I haven't gotten an answer. I haven't figured out an answer to that yet. I haven't I've come to any conclusions about that yet, but I think part of the issue is that there's no resolution to some of these things. And part of that is definitely by design, uh, because we still have the, you know, a goal for these characters to reach. This is this is where everything goes to hell. This is where all the characters are challenged and where they're forced to uh, step out of their comfort zone and, and things change drastically for them. But there's no resolution to the situation for them in many cases. Uh, and... And it all hinges on nine. Uh, this trilogy still floats up and down my list kind of a little bit because I, I don't know where to put it because there's no final say yet. Uh, and so much of it is still kind of open and nebulous in a sense, uh, which is on the one hand can be a good thing because then you can come in with some solid answers and really you know, put an identity to the trilogy. But on the other hand, it could just be nebulous and things kind of remain out there. And if you can't get the answer in, it just sort of sits there and fizzles. Um, and so Ryan, uh, uh, excuse me, JJ Abrams has a huge, huge task in concluding this trilogy because there is so much open ended from Force Awakens and The Last Jedi that. I don't know if we have enough movie to answer everything to or to give a satisfactory conclusion to what is essential in this trilogy. Um, and and that, I think, is what concerns me the most, is that they have bitten off a lot of different things. There are so many subplots and characters expects to this trilogy that I don't know if they have the space, uh, the, the time to conclude it all in a way that will be satisfactory. That's my biggest concern. I think after seeing the movie last night, um, and it's not right now a driving concern. Um, it's not a dire concern, but I think that's in the back of my head. If I'm, you know, laying awake at night, staring at the ceiling at my, 
Naboo Starfighter that I've got hanging in my room. Um, that's the question is, do we have enough time? Do we have enough material? Do we have enough concrete aspects of this to give us a satisfactory conclusion? And I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing that concerns me after watching The Last Jedi. Uh, there's a lot of great moments in this movie. The overall story, the rest of it, though, kind of kind of just hangs out in the middle of space like, uh, you know, a starship that's running out of fuel. Ugh, stupid. I see what you did there. Stupid. I see what you did there. <laughs> I see what you did there, you sneaky, cheeky <laughs> bastard, you. <laughs> that's the that's the one thing about in the movie that I still find so stupid is that the whole resistance plot is just dumb. It's just it, that Battlestar Galactica episode, you know, I think it's mm-hmm. called 33 or whatever, where the yeah. Cylons are just constantly pursuing them. Um, well, and, and when in Star Wars have we ever worried about fuel? Yeah, exactly. It's again, a, I know that it's, know that it's been a thing in, thing. I know that it's been a thing in the EU and I know that it's been a thing in um like the rebels and uh, and stuff, but on the big screen, we've never. I mean, the Falcon had issues, but it was never fuel. It was always the hyperdrive motivator, the you know the power coupling. So I've isolated the negative power coupling. It's always been that kind of. It's never been. Hey, we're out of fuel. You know, I and mean, we, we always we always see you know X wings and stuff being fueled up, but nobody ever talks about it. You know, right. And and so I guess that was a little bit different for Star Wars, but it's and I listen. I'll be honest with you. I was on the edge of my seat. I mean, I thought that was a I thought that was a neat direction to take Star Wars in where basically the good guys are just running from the bad guys trying to survive. Um I I did like that and I and I was kind of captured in that story. My problem came when it's like, okay, so the big elaborate plan with Rose and Finn doesn't work. And, I, and to an extent, I'm okay with that. If DJ would have been a Hondo type character and got a little bit of redemption in the end, you know, I've come back to save you, my friends. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> um, yeah, but but he did not. And and look, and and I have to say, okay, that's okay. But now Finn and Rose have just basically their whole arc has been to tell us about war profiteering and animal rights. And that's fine if this is a Star Trek movie, you know, <laughs> um, but it's not. This is Star Wars. And someone I did see someone who um, said this and they said it was two words that really sold them on the whole Finn story arc in this. When he's facing down Phasma and she calls him scum and he says rebel scum, meaning <laughs> that, you know, this is someone who has only been in for himself and his one friend in the world, Ray. And now he has officially aligned himself with this movement of the resistance and the rebels. You know, they're going to call themselves the new rebels, I guess. And and I'm like, okay, I buy that. That's cool. Um, could have done a much shorter story arc and trimmed off about 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. To get there, you know. Um, but, the, you know, that it is that is what it is. I'll be honest with you guys. Most of my critiques of this film do not come from the story uh, they come from the, the structure of the film. Um, I said way back, one of the things I said back around before The Force Awakens, knowing that someone other than George Lucas was going to be making these films is, are we going to, you know, they need to be careful about the visual language of Star Wars and the way Star Wars is filmed. Um, 
and and J.J. Abrams didn't quite do it, and Ryan Johnson has departed completely. Mm-hmm. Um, from and I'll give you one small example that just it irritates me, and it's the way they've done their final shots. With J.J. did the helicopter shot all moving around Ray and Luke, and with this one, the final shot should have been everyone there on the Falcon, you know, kind of with that little glimmer of hope in their eye that they're going into the galaxy. But instead, they cut from that to that little boy. And I understand I understand the meaning of the little boy and his little rebel ring. I get that. But that's not how you end a Star Wars film. And I was just... Uh, the, the, the musical quality and the poetic quality of filmmaking that was there in the other six films has just com- been completely thrown away for a director's vision without George Lucas at the helm. And my biggest struggle, I think in this whole new era of star Wars has been dealing with the maker, no longer making star Wars. And that's, and that's been, that has been my biggest hurdle to have to leap over. None of the story stuff. I'm an idiot. I'll take a story and it'll take me two years to kind of chew on it and figure out, you know, where I don't like the story, this, that, or the other. The only story aspect and, and, and everything is I have is that Ryan Johnson, in an effort not to remake The Empire Strikes Back, uh, decided to cram Return of the Jedi in and, and do a peanut butter and jelly kind of mashup of Empire and Jedi. And that's an overly harsh critique, and so I'm using a little bit of hyperbole. I want everyone to understand. But, the, I mean, there was just so – it's like Ryan Johnson just wanted to get everything he ever wanted to do with a Star Wars movie into this movie. And and I think it suffered a little bit for that. Hmm. You know, yeah, I, I think something that uh, I mean, the thing I've been critiquing ever since Force Awakens came out was the the visual um, imagery we get, right? The cinematography, and you know, George was always very clear that you know the original six films they were all shot as if they were documentaries. And yes, the, um, I, a friend of mine has certainly showed to me that the prequels do have a, an evolving way of, of shooting the films. They're not exactly the same as the originals, but I still find it all to be the same language. Um, J.J. has moments where it feels, again, very like um, Lucasian style of cinematography. Right. Yeah. But like you said, yeah, Ryan just threw it out the door. And I remember I was watching one of these um, interviews with him before the movie came out and somebody asked the question of like, you know, did you... I guess the cinematographer he brought in is is a, a, a stunning cinematographer, and I, I think that's fair. I mean, there's so many. This this movie looks beautiful. Even George Lucas said that. Um, that doesn't right. mean still doesn't mean he liked it. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> it was beautiful. Hate yeah. the story. Yeah, story stupid. Looks great. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, I think. Uh, in Ryan's response to the question was, "Well, you know, I didn't want to go into this movie trying to make this." like somebody that I'm not. Um, and I think, and again, like that's a fair answer. Um, but so here's, here's, and then of course, um, I, I said this in, in the past, but our, you know, my good friend, Joe Hogan, who's, you know, our, our star Wars artist buddy. Um, he said to me before seeing the movies, like Carl, remember this is star Wars is a form of art. And now there are different artists in the house. You have to respect their vision, which really helped me that first night seeing this movie. Cause I know otherwise I probably would have just been, you know, fuming the whole movie about how different it looked, you know, visually the way they shot so much of it. Um, but here's my counter argument to that. And I know a lot of people are who, who are, who are not in this camp probably will still give me, 
you know, oh, you're still wrong, which is fine. It, I think we also need to live in a world where you don't have to be right or wrong about this because at the end of the day, right. it's, it's a movie. Right. Um, what it, how much – hey, Carl, yeah. how much, how much uh, time did you spend on the set of this movie making it? Yeah, zero minutes. Exactly. How much, how much money do you make on, you know, based on this movie making money? Zero minutes. Exactly. Zero. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, um, why does it matter that much? I mean, like, let's just have fun conversations like the one we're having. And just share our opinions and not get all up in arms. We don't have to agree. Right. Yeah. And if there were if there were a safe place for people just to geek out and have these kind of discussions. <laughs> I know. That there needs to be a place like that. Wait, Steve, I seem to recall you saying something about that on a show you, you have. Oh, did I? Maybe. Maybe. Once or twice. Maybe. Well, yeah. maybe I didn't have a breathing <laughs> Good old Bane. We're giving the power back to the people, Darth Vader, breathing, Darth Vader, breathing. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, I'm mean, just kind of this one I little... I was like, babe, take that stupid thing off. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Snub doesn't like my helmet. I'm going to crush it now. <laughs> but I can beat Anakin. <laughs> Even though now you look more like Anakin with the flat, the, the the feathery hair and the scar. Oh man, I love that scar. I want, sorry, uh, I want, I want an you eye scar talking, so bad. You were anyway. talking about the counter argument to different artists, different styles. Yeah. Well, okay. So let's say you bring in. Okay, let's take the Sistine Chapel. All right, it's existed for a very long time. I don't want to guess how many years because I'm not a history, I'm, I'm not an art historian. But let's say this, right? Sistine Chapel is a beautiful work of art. And you say, I'm going to bring in a modern artist to, to spice it up a bit. And you come in and, you know, you do something in a totally different vein. How pissed off would people be, right? How pissed right. off would people be if you went into something that has a longstanding tradition and just started spray painting on it or mm-hmm. doing watercolors or charcoal? Let me- Right. Let me springboard off of that and take something that's nowhere near as revered as the Sistine Chapel. And let me just say, let's say you're a fan of, uh, I don't know, let's say Kiss, the band. Okay. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, Gene Simmons says, all right, I'm not, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to pass the torch to you know, this person. And that person comes in and turns Kiss into a country band. <laughs> well you know what there's still kiss and it's just different artists you know doing the art a different way but you're calling yourself this other thing that was represented in art one way and, and i and and so i i get that argument i'm with you Carl. i think that's a great analogy you know what happens if someone comes in the sistine chapel and decides to use charcoals right. um to to brush it up to touch it up yeah. um <clears throat> there, there's, there was a. The thing is, is, is again, there was a symphonic quality, and an intentional symphonic quality to the way that George Lucas told the story in those first six movies, that has been abandoned here, and it makes these this this trilogy feel very disconnected from the other two to me, and 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 I feel like that's a mistake on the part of these filmmakers. Yeah, because they're making they're making a movie. Yeah, granted, uh, you know, and, and I'm I'm interested to hear you know what 
what other people are saying in, in, to an extent about this. And and granted, J.J. Abrams asked a good question, you know, why I make this movie. But at the end of the day, these guys are making a movie not to tell. I just can't. I know that they've got a story they want to tell. And obviously, Lawrence Kasdan had a story he wanted to tell. I want to look to, to take the helmet and say, now I'm Darth Vader. Um, <laughs> but, you know, obviously, obviously, they had a, a, a story they wanted to tell. But I don't know that they... I, I feel like they should have all had a conversation with Dave Filoni before they set out to make these movies. Mm. You know, go go uh, talk to someone. If you're not going to talk to the maker, go talk to someone who learned at the feet of the maker. Yeah. Well, they did yeah. They did do one early meeting with George back in 2014. Um, they didn't like what I had to say. <laughs> like selling the white slavers. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and to be fair, and I'm sure uh, you probably both of you have seen this, right? And, and and this is covered in the Art of Last Jedi book. But George's original plot for Episode Seven, they use a lot of those elements in Episode Eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's very clear Episode Seven was made to rekindle our nostalgia and the feeling of Star Wars. And this is a conversation I had with a couple of my friends, where still at the end of the day. When I left Force Awakens, I always felt excited and I wanted to go back and see it. Every time I've left to see from seeing Last Jedi, I have always I've always enjoyed it, but it's so much that I'm fine with stepping away from it for a little while. Um, I haven't seen it nearly as much as Force Awakens. Now, to be fair, I actually prefer it to Force Awakens. Um, and that's a long story as to why, but um, I do think I do think it's a better movie. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, I understood what they needed to do with Force Awakens. And, and so, so this idea of Luke being in exile was an idea George had. And this character right. named Kira, who eventually becomes Rey, you know, comes to seek him out um, to deal with a new rising threat in the galaxy. But Luke, Luke never went into exile because of feelings of guilt and, and being ashamed. Um, so... You know, I, I I have no problem with what they did with that story. Um, I think the story is fine. Um, but yeah, again, just going back to the to the visual storytelling. Um, yeah, you know, I, I the thing the thing I would have countered to Ryan had I had the opportunity, and not in a, a rude, aggressive way, but you know, when he said, "Well, like I need to be conscious of how I want to tell a story," I think my pushback would have been, "But you're stepping into something that has a forty year tradition." Respond to that, though, right? Like, I know you do things differently. However, you're taking on this tradition. Um, don't you think you owe it something? Um, and I know a lot of people would say, no, he doesn't. It's a new artist. He's going to do his own thing. But, again, Star Wars is something that is so firmly entrenched in our, in our cultural identity that to just come in and, and sometimes just do something totally different uh, – I don't know. I'm just I personally am not a fan of that. Um, I don't I hate when people say Ryan disrespected Star Wars. That's BS. I don't no, buy that for a second. I don't. Yeah, I don't think that at all. Yeah, at all. That I think that is that that's that is a bad take. Yeah. If, if, if one could be had on on the way this movie. I know. I think that Ryan Johnson loves Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I think. I think that he loves it the way that any fanboy loves Star Wars, and 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 in a way, this is the ultimate fan film um, for him. Right. Um, 
this know. this is this is Ryan taking all the action figures and stuff and making up a, one of his stories. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's not a and that's not a negative critique. I, I no. think that I don't know that there's any fan of Star Wars without the direct guidance of George Lucas that would make a movie that would make me feel like, okay, they get it. You know, I don't even know that I would do it. I would make a Star Wars movie probably that you guys didn't like, you know? Um, <laughs> and, and I, you know, and that's why people's opinions don't bother me. I want to say this cause I feel like I've been really harsh on this movie and I want to, and I want to say, um, a couple of things to, to make sure that people understand that I don't hate this movie. Carl, like you, I like this movie better than I liked Force Awakens. Um, I thought that the 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 space battle, the opening space battle, was more Star Wars ish than any battle we got in uh, in in the Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you know, you actually had Poe interacting with BB-8 there in the back of the X-wing. Uh, those bombers were something new and neat, you know, which is something that happens in Star Wars movies. You add something new that we've never seen, and, and they're definitely a take on the old bombers of, you know, from the World War II days and that sort of thing. And I thought it was just really cool. Um, I, but it's, you know, and um, as I said, I like the story of the resistance just running and trying to stay out of the way because they could be tracked through hyperspace. Uh, I love the Luke and Ray stuff. I think that Ray told Luke too many times the reason she was there, but I love the Luke and Ray stuff, and I loved uh, I-, I loved Luke's journey in this movie. I loved Yoda showing up and what he had to say to Luke. Um, to have wise Empire Strikes Back Yoda was fantastic. I have mixed emotions about Luke showing up uh, on crate the way he did as a force projection, as an astral projection force thing. But at the same time, uh, the power that he exhibited in doing so cannot be discounted. And, and, and it was everything you wanted to see Luke do as a Jedi master in, in so many different ways. Um, and, and the fact that as he gives himself to the force, he does so with purpose and peace. And my hope is that we'll see Force Ghost Luke in um, in Episode Nine. We have to. I mean, at this point, that they, they can't just leave Luke like that, right? right. I mean, that he has to be back. If they if they don't bring him back, then I will be like, "What the heck was that?" <laughs> you know, sure. that'll be my my reaction, especially sure. since we're not getting carried back in episode nine. Right. And that and that was a that's a question that I had. You know, we knew that Carrie Fisher had passed last year. Um well now, you know, well yeah, I'm just gonna not try to get technical. Last year, we knew a year out that Carrie Fisher had passed. Um we don't know if they're gonna recast for episode nine, but all signs point to that doesn't seem like they are. Um and and so we know that nine was supposed to be Leia's movie, which, you know, go ahead and add the words to die on the end of that episode <laughs> seven was Han's movie. Episode eight's Luke's movie. Episode nine was going to be Leia's movie to die. Um, <laughs> but I, knowing that I'm like, how hard is it not to have him disappear? Um, you know, that he could actually show back up physically, but you know, respect, they, they stuck with what they wanted to, uh, to do. Um, but you know, he, I, so I still have mixed emotions about him going on in, but 
at the same time, I get it, I understand it, and I'm just tired of seeing my childhood heroes die in a way too. There, that you know, that was one of the things I sat after I saw it on opening night. I was by myself and I was sitting in my uh, my my car and, and I was actually talking back and forth with a podcast friend of mine, Derek Russell, and uh, and we were just texting back and forth. And I was and I was processing everything I'd seen. And I told him, I gave him that statement. I'm tired of seeing my childhood heroes die. And I got choked up thinking about Luke, you know, giving himself over to the force the way he did and and and, and disappearing in, in a perfect way. I mean, like, it was a great, uh, to me, it's a great scene when he goes. And, but it still hurt, um, right. you know. Right. But I, I'm telling you, there was so much that I did like about this movie. When Chewbacca shows up on Crate, I'm sorry. I was in it. I was like, yes, get him, <laughs> go. And, and they're using, you know, John Williams used the old cue from, uh, I always, I've always known it as here they come from, mm-hmm. from episode four. And I was, I was like, yes. And he pulls off all the tie fighters. You know, they all follow him and Finn's got that great line. They hate that ship. <laughs> uh, and I just thought it was great, you know? And, uh, and, I, so yeah, I loved Leia in this movie. I loved her interactions with Poe. Um, you know that she was a leader and that she encouraged Poe. I loved Poe's arc in this. That by the end of the thing, he was not just trying to point a blaster at something and blow it up. That he understood there has to be a better way. So much so that when everyone turns to look at Leia, she's like, "What are you looking at me for? He's got a great idea. Follow him. He's going that way." And you know, I just thought it was some good stuff um, overall. And you know, I so yeah, I did end up liking this. The 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 Kylo story arc, they really had me fooled. You know, him and him and Ray deciding to fight together there, you know, against the Praetorian Guard and everything, and then he turns around and he won't call off the the uh won't call off the the, the bombardment of the transports and and he does the whole join me and we can rule kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, they totally tricked me. I thought he was going to go. The, this is not going to go how I thought it was. And, <laughs> um, you know, uh, the destruction of the old lightsaber is good. Hopefully we'll see Ray have to construct a new one, um, yes. you know, and I'd like it to be green. Um, Please. Please. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but, uh, but so, yeah, so I just wanted to throw all that stuff out there saying, I want people to know that I do overall like this movie. The more I see it, the less I have that sentiment, but it comes down to watching moments of slow motion, watching time-lapse photography, watching, um, like I say, the ending really bums me out the way it, it, it irises out on that boy. And I know what that represents and I get it. You know, I just, I'm sorry. It's not a choice I would have made. Um, it's the, it, it, it's like, it's the the technical makeup of the movie that, that you start that really gets, yeah, that really gets to me and and begins to pull me out of things, I guess. Okay. Yeah. The content of the movie, not so much just the, how it's put together. Yeah. I mean, now we can, and then we've talked content, you know, yes. And I'm down with that, but you know, and I do feel like some of the humor is a little misplaced. Not all of it. I'm not against none. I'm not against funny star Wars. I love funny star Wars, but uh, I feel like the, 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 the opening thing with Poe and Hux, it went on about two quips too long. Um, it should have been holding for, you know, when, when Hux gives his thing, 
and Poe goes, hello? Hello, this is General <laughs> Hux. I mean, like, that was some funny stuff, but then he keeps it going. It goes too long. Um, you know, it's like, if you you know, I understand what they were doing. They were trying to do the situation normal. But uh, but that ends with boring conversation anyway. Luke, we're going to have company, which is great. Oh my gosh, I love that line. Um, but yeah, so I, now I'm rambling, and I don't mean to, but I, I'm just saying like there are things within the within the content of the film that yeah, I'd love to you know that I can talk about and that do tend to you know the, the again coming back to Luke really is the thing that I struggle with most is not that I had expectations. Go back to the original question, but that I had desires. You know, I had things that I wanted to be true, you know, I didn't and I didn't think they were necessarily right. It's just what I wanted. And so, you know, you have to deal with a little bit of disappointment there. But again, it's like I said to Carl a while ago, I'm not making a dime off of this thing. And, you know, my livelihood doesn't depend on it. So if someone disagrees with my desires and I can't, you know, I can't say that person's wrong or right. I can just say what I feel, you know. Mm-hmm. So I've rambled. I'm sorry, guys. I rambled way too much there. No, 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 never apologize. I'm, you know, I appreciate so many of those points, and and you know, at the end of the day, for me, Steve, um, there, and I alluded to this a little bit earlier, but the way I felt leaving this movie, every time I leave seeing this movie, I just, I always feel a little off. Not like, mm-hmm. oh, I hate this or oh, it's stupid or. I think it's those last two minutes. I I I do hate the closing shot still. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I've had this argument with a couple of friends several times. Not argument, but we just at the end of the day we just disagree. I have some friends that mm-hmm. absolutely love that shot, and I think it's like you said, Steve. I understand it. It's not necessarily out of place in the Star Wars movie. It's extremely out of place as a closing shot, though. Right. When have we ever ended a Star Wars film not centered on our heroes, who the story is ultimately about? Never. Mm-hmm. Um, question yeah question yeah if they had done something with star wars and taking that last scene there with the kids and put it after the credits as a coda would that have worked for you good question jason um i don't like the idea of them starting to do that but i i would have appreciated it more as a coda yeah than the closing shot 100 percent agree 100 percent agree that's a neat idea though jason yeah yeah, I hundred. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I don't know that I want Star Wars to start going down that road. Right. But but yes, I would. I would have accepted that Ooh. scene. That scene feels more like a coda than than a closing scene. And and you're right, Jason, uh, Carl. The and I had this conversation with someone the other night and completely bored them by like, let's walk through the movies right now. <laughs> Episode four, throne room. They're all with their medals. Happy. That's our heroes. Episode five. It's Luke and Leia. I went through the every scene. I'm like, now let's go back to the prequels. And you see how these <laughs> mirrored each other. And, um, and it's like, and I'm like, so I'm just saying little boy standing there with a broom in his hand, playing lightsaber. It's not the way you end this. This is not Zack Snyder's man of steel. You know, um, or even even better yet, how good would that that scene have been? Maybe at the top of episode nine, right? To oh, give that would us, have been great to give us a sense of Luke's story is has carried on, right? I think it it could have been even better at the opening of nine, right? If we see some children playing the story we just saw played out, because again, we a lot of folks are speculating episode nine is going to. There's definitely going to be some level of time lapse. There needs to be whether it's. I don't think it's going to be a decade like some people are saying. I, my guess is it's probably going to be like two to five years. 
But how much more powerful would it have been in a way to open episode nine with reminding us what Luke went out doing? And now even three, four, five years later, people are still telling the story and getting excited about it. Well, how about this? How about. How did those you kids have, find that out 10 seconds later, too, by the way? Just saying. Right. You have your opening. Well, I think they're just telling old Luke stories of the, you know, the classic Jedi Luke stories. Like, that he's a oh, legend that's in true. the galaxy. Yeah, good point. Um, yeah. But you, let's say you have your opening crawl, right? And then it pans down as it always does, and there's a ship there, and maybe they're doing something on the ship, and it jets off into light speed. And, is it pan, and then you pan down past other different ships that are all coming out and doing different, you know, they're leaving Canto Bight or wherever to, to go off in the light speed. And you, and then it cuts down to that little boy and them. And he walks out and sees the stars, sees the thing go across the stars. It could be a shooting star or it could just be a ship going off in the light speed. And he does his thing. And as it goes down to the ring, you know, you, you iris in, you do wipes because that's the one thing that Ryan Johnson didn't do. He didn't do the classic George Lucas old movie style wipes. There's like six of them, but yeah. You wipe, you wipe from that into someone on the bridge of, you know, a resistance or a rebel freighter, um, you know, with that ring on and you see it on their hand and boom, we're into the action. Yeah. I think that would have been amazing. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a good point. You know, having that set off episode nine. Yeah, no, I, I like the scene in and of itself. Mm -hmm. I do think it's placement is a little odd and doesn't quite fit. Well, see, Uh, I don't even know that I like the scene. The scene feels like something out of a Harry Potter movie to me. Yeah. Well, the music, right? I, it's really cool music, but my God, is it very on star Wars? Like, you know, uh, and I, people, that's such a loaded term. Now people get mad. Oh, who, who are you to say what feels like star Wars? Well, for me, it doesn't feel like star Wars. Here it is right here. No, I think, no, but here's the thing. I think that's, that's the thing is there's 12 hours. There are 12 hours, 12 plus hours of star Wars that we know feel like star Wars. Yeah. And so we're able to say, this feels like Star Wars or it don't. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't mean you don't like it. It doesn't mean it's not good, but there is, it, you can and cannot feel like Star Wars. I don't mean to get so fired up, guys. I'm sorry. I didn't realize <laughs> I had this amount of passion about everything. <laughs> the fact that Steve doesn't know how passionate he is about Star Wars just doesn't make sense to me. Anyway, no, I'm kidding. But yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Yeah, no, you can say it, it feels like Star Wars or doesn't feel like like star wars it doesn't mean it's bad and i think that's i think that's the biggest issue i'm having right now because um this movie has garnered so much negativity that i wasn't aware was happening during the prequel era until i was you know neck deep in it um but this movie has garnered so much negativity online just due to Moof milkers uh, on the internet, and I think part of my issue is I, I don't I I always avoid those types of, of interactions online. I, I never engage just because I don't. It, it's pointless uh, to be first of all, and just annoys me second of all. But and I, and so I think part of my thing is I just kind of like throw myself 
into specific aspects of this movie that I like and kind of almost stick my head in the sand <laughs> in a way just to be like, I still like this Star Wars movie uh, because all the, the, the stupid craziness out there is, is dumb. Uh, but the problem is, is everyone says, well, because I don't like it, that means it's terrible. Well, because, or I don't like that, or I don't like uh, what they did with the character here or the design of it there. That means the whole thing sucks and it's ruining Star Wars and all that thing. And it, that drives me nuts because that's, oh, that's a really whitewashing of the entire thing because you disagree or dislike one particular thing about this. The entire thing is dumb and everyone is stupid for liking it. That drives me nuts. And I cannot stand that kind of, uh, that kind of discussion online. Um, and I think that's one of my biggest issues with this movie is the conversation surrounding it. And so I've kind of, except for the discussions Carl and I have had on this podcast, I've just not engaged. I've not engaged in any of it anywhere else. Um, and I only talk about it with Carl. He won't lambast me for disagreeing with him on stuff. So, yeah, which sucks yeah. because I like talking about these things. Yeah. Well, luckily, I mean, I think we all, you and I both, Jason, though, we have plenty of friends we can talk about this and disagree with things about. Um, you know, it, to me, Star Wars is always comes down to feeling. Um, and that's, I mean, that's how, that's how I pick what my favorite Star Wars movies are is, right? How did I feel leaving it? Um, and at the end of the day, that, you know, the only reason Last Jedi is not one of my favorite Star Wars movies is just because it doesn't make me feel the way other ones do. Maybe it will with time. I don't know. Um, I mean, Force Awakens, I loved that those first six months it was out and it's, it's, it's really crept down my list of Star Wars movies, not because I don't like it, but. Um, it doesn't have the the thing that I, I really praise Last Jedi for is it has a lot more meat on its bones than Force Awakens did, um, which is typical of a middle act film. Um, but yeah, think I mean, maybe the, there were there was too much meat on the bones. Yeah, that's that's part of the off feeling too. Yeah, there's too much meat. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, and this, you know, even kind of go with what you've been talking a lot about, Steve, and, and I'm with you. Uh, navigating the hurdle of not having George involved. I think it's still going to be an ongoing process for, for a lot of Star Wars fans. Now, young people, for instance, who grew up maybe like really young. Well, to be fair, Jason, you and I were pretty young when the prequels came out for the most part. But like young people today who are growing up with the sequel films, a lot of them are loving it. And this is going to be their Star Wars. And I think that's incredibly wonderful. Um, at the end of the day, I think the only thing Star Wars owes us and this even in of itself might be a stupid thing to say because I know at the end of the day it's a movie. It doesn't owe us anything. But at the end of the day, I think the one thing Star Wars owes us, though, is just teach us something about life and compel us to be better people. That's what makes it a myth, right? And I think there are things in Last Jedi that, that hearken to that, that do call us to be better people. Poe's arc, right, of learning to cool our jets and, and you know, listen to voices of wisdom. Luke learning from his failures. I mean, to me, 
what actually got me around to really appreciating Luke's story in Last Jedi was my love of The Dark Knight Rises, right? And, and you know, Steve, I know you don't love that movie, and a lot of hardcore Batman film, you know, fans hate it because, oh, Bruce Wayne would never stop being Batman. Well, I don't really care what the comics say. Um, I think this is a great story where he does stop being Batman for a reason. And I think Luke Skywalker stops being Luke Skywalker, Jedi Master, a legend. Yeah. For a reason, um, yeah. So, you know, not so for the sake of time and not talk, obviously we could talk about this for another hour, but I, I kind of want to start to wrap up in the next next little bit here. But I'd love to just focus a little bit now on like what really worked for us in this movie, and and for me, what really worked in the film is, and, and Steve, you said it too, which I agree a hundred percent is is my favorite part of the movie is the Luke and Ray stuff. And being on Octu and the stuff with Kylo as well. The Resistance story, kind of disposable to me. Finn and Rose's story, kind of disposable. Not not disposable in the sense of it's useless. I disagree that they're useless plots. That's just not my favorite aspect of Star Wars. And again, if you've listened to the show for any period of time, you know obviously my favorite part of Star Wars is the mythology and the spirituality. So, of course, these are going to be my favorite elements to dig my teeth into. Um, what I think is so compelling about Luke's story is that he is not the, with a capital T, savior, right? Just like Anakin wasn't the, with a capital T, savior, right? The Force, at the end of the day, and I think this is what Last Jedi shows us, the Force is the ultimate guiding force of this galactic story. What is Rey but the Force's response to the folly of the Skywalkers? I love now that she's a nobody, and I hope that she continues to be a nobody because, um, and again, I've made this analogy on previous episodes. This is the, the David to the Saul, right? Saul wasn't doing what God asked, so God raised up a different leader. The Skywalker family has, has fallen from grace yet again, so here comes this new virgence in the Force to, to, to make things right again. And I think that's what I love about Last Jedi is that mythological reality that the Force, this thing beyond us, is what guides the galaxy. And Rey is this new chapter in that and luke um ultimately comes around to understanding his role again and his purpose and the purpose of his legend really quickly i want to read this this quote from ryan johnson in the art of the last jedi book if you guys don't mind um he says quote ultimately luke's exile and his justifications for it are all covering over his guilt over kylo the big gloss that he's putting over the whole thing is the force does not belong to the jedi this ongoing dynamic between the Jedi and the Sith just keeps renewing itself and just keeps feeding the fire. It's time for this old religion to die so that the truth about God can rise from elsewhere. Basically, so that a more worthy God can rise. It's really hard and it's going to cause a lot of pain, but that's what has to happen. So I'm going to do the hardest thing I've ever done, what I couldn't do in Empire Strikes Back, and not answer the call of my friends so that the Jedi Order dies and something new has to rise and pull the light up, end quote. I love this. I, that's, to me, Ryan's thesis about Luke Skywalker here. Luke goes into exile with nothing but good intentions. His thought is, oh, my God, I, I made the same mistake Ben Kenobi made with my nephew. It's time to just let this stuff all die. And my even in-universe understanding is, is again, we don't get this because we're not given much exposition, and hopefully we'll get more of it in 9. But I get the impression that whatever the First Order was, it was still very much in the shadows when Luke was doing his Jedi Academy and when Ben falls from grace. So I think Luke just ultimately thinks, well, 
Ben will fizzle out on his own. I don't think Luke is aware that he goes and joins forces with Snoke in the First Order and um, starts to wreak all this havoc. I don't know. Again, we don't have that exposition there. But I, the reason I love this story is because, like all of the Star Wars saga, it's about family drama, right? We have this extremely important relationship. Han and Leia's son and Luke's nephew falls from grace and it just disrupts everything. Anakin's relationship with Padme is what causes everything to crumble in the prequels. Luke and Leia's relationship and relationship with Han and the others, that the beauty of those friendships is what brings everything back together, right? So ultimately, stories is, the story is always about the family drama of the Skywalkers. So I think that this works really well. And Luke comes back and, in my opinion, does the greatest thing any Star Wars character has ever done. Um, I love that he force projects himself across the galaxy. I think it makes him more powerful than anything we ever saw Yoda do. And a thought I had today while I was making some notes is imagine, if you could, if you were a kid who grew up with the prequels. Those were the first three Star Wars films you saw. Then you get to Empire Strikes Back. And Yoda doesn't have a lightsaber. He's not going to go with Luke to fight the Emperor Invader. How shocking that could be, right? Like, this is a very different Yoda. Well, the same yep. is true of Luke. Luke has taken nonviolence to a very big extreme here. Even so far as that even when he goes back to what we assume to be the most kick-ass lightsaber fight of all time, he's still true to the, the depth of his character that we saw in Return of the Jedi. Um, and I love it. I think it's the most powerful thing we've ever seen. It's way cooler than anything Yoda did. And as much as I love Yoda, I, and I think we got the most powerful Jedi of all time in the Luke Skywalker of last Jedi. And I think that, that's exactly what we wanted. And I think we got it. Yeah. It just wasn't in the way we were expecting. Right. Don't disagree with you at all on that. Um, you know, there's part of me that thinks how much cooler it would have been if he would have been there physically and took all those blaster bolts from those at-ats. But, you know. <laughs> um, but, I, no, I absolutely 100% agree with you. And um, I also love the attitude of Luke Skywalker at the end. Um, yeah, it is, it's funny that, you know, he looks at Ray and he says, what do you expect me to do? Take out, you know, walk out in front of the, and face the whole First Order with a laser sword in my hand? And that's what he ends up doing, basically. Right. Is he goes out and he stands down the first order with a laser sword in his hand. And I I just I, I love his attitude with Kylo where he's very much he says, I failed you. I recognize that I failed you, but now I'm gonna have to whoop you. You know? <laughs> and you you still made these decisions. And if you were able to strike me down, I'll never leave you the same way your father will never leave you. Like he totally gets the conflict that is still there within Kylo Ren. Um, regardless of what Snoke could or could not feel. I do disagree a little bit on the Ray thing. I think that, you know, one of the things that we were, con I, I, one of the complaints I've seen from people are Snoke. I liked Snoke for the most part. Um, I liked him as, as kind of the, the role that he played. Um, I was surprised to see him die, of course, but I was also very happy to see him die. It was fine with me. Um, because it does beg the question, what if Vader had killed the emperor and it was just he and Tarkin, you know, now to run things. How would that go? And that's almost what you're getting to see with Kylo and Hux. Only you're getting to see the Muppet Babies version of that. And, <laughs> um, but and I, and that's overly snarky. I apologize. But I do, I do, I did like Snoke. But we were always told since Episode Seven, 
Snoke is Snoke. You know, you just do away with your Snoke theory. Snoke is Snoke. But there was always the, you know, I don't want to say there was the promise of Ray, but there was, you know, the mystery of Ray was like, well, why can't you just say Ray is Ray? You know, but there was always this thing about her parentage that was this big deal. And they even do that here. And so, and knowing, and again, it comes back to, like you say, Carl, the, the dealing with George not being there, the enumerated films were always, you know, this saga was always about a family. And and I like what you had to say, Carl. I do, and I don't necessarily disagree with it wholeheartedly. But there are some things that you know I'm like, well, I need to chew on. That. I need mm-hmm. to chew on that. I, you know, you've made you've given me food for thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Well, I I hope you enjoy that it comes in the McDonald's wrapper. Oh, you better believe it. And uh, I watched The Dark Knight Rises the other night for the first time in a while. Yeah. And um and and I want to go back and I want to make sure you understand. I think it's a good movie and I think it's a great ending to the trilogy that Christopher Nolan, the story that Christopher Nolan was telling. I just didn't necessarily like it as a Batman. Sure, story. That's you know, fair. But but I did. But I do like it as a as as an ending to that trilogy. And it's something that we've never really gotten from superhero movies, and that is a definitive end. Right. So, well, I guess the, nothing in the movie business these days really ends, right? Nothing, right. Is, nothing is ever truly done. <laughs> no. They always want to be able to reboot it later, right. if need be. Because yeah. they have no original thoughts left. Well, that's my biggest uh, fear is that Episode Nine is just going to be a setup for 10, 11, 12. I, I, I hope know. it's not. I hope that when we get 10, 11, 12, we're having the same problems that, oh, man, we thought we were good with nine, you know. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope nine is the end of the Skywalker story, and then if Disney wants to continue making Star Wars films, which of course they do, they'll just be standalones, and they'll be every couple of years rather than. Yeah. I mean, do, do you know anybody who's excited about Solo? Because I don't. <laughs> so I'm still waiting to see a trailer to know what's going on. Well, but I just went back for Ron- reshoot, so I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't finally get delayed. So. Ron Howard said a trailer should be coming soon. Yeah. Now that Last Jedi is. Um, yeah, not it is starting to uh, wind down. Leave some theaters, yeah, wind down. Yeah. So, uh, Jason, but, share some of your what do you what are some of your like you know what what did you really like that Last Jedi gave us? Oh my goodness! Um, I mean, again, in kind of a broad way, right? Well, I, I think I think a lot of it is uh, I'm always a huge fan of the action sequences, the, mm. the space battles, the, that sort of thing, and we got some really great stuff on that regard the opening space battle is one of the better space battles we've gotten in Star Wars. It, it, it's really great uh, i love the drama uh of, with the uh with page and the bomber uh the really cool stuff that poe does at the beginning before everything else they all join him uh all the different new ships are awesome uh I think I'd like a little bit more of the, the dog fighting aspect, but that's, you know, just personal taste. I'm with you, Jason. Uh, the, <laughs> say what? I said I'm with you on that. Yeah. Um, the the whole ending battle on Crate is pure Star Wars goodness, in my opinion. Uh, there, there's a whole bunch of Star Wars goodness uh, packed into that battle. Um, I don't think it cuts back and forth as well as uh, Return of the Jedi does. Uh, but then again, there's not quite as much going on either. Uh, 
that one takes place a little bit more chronologically than than all at once. Um, but that being said, the, the the land battle is great. Having the Falcon fly in is awesome. I think Luke's last stand is probably still my favorite moment in the movie. Uh, him walking out that door to face the First Order is my favorite shot. It, and it's a very stylized shot. It's a very different, almost non-Star Wars-y shot. But the silhouette of him standing there... And the entire First Order army that they've got there lined up against him. The image of that, I absolutely love. Um, I, I cannot get enough of that, of that, that idea of, of a single Jedi facing down an entire army. You know, it's almost like the legends of the Jedi have been told are finally reaching their way to Luke Skywalker and, you know... We we got Mace Windu taking down an entire army in you know the Clone Wars series, uh, and and we almost kind of get something like that here in you know film form uh, with the Last Jedi. So I always that was great stuff for me, um, and and I think another thing that really worked for me is is. Rose as a character. I don't know. I, I love Rose. So I, I think she was a great addition to the film. Uh, some of the aspects of the, the story that she and Finn uh, take, you know, maybe could have been cut down or tweaked. But I think her character arc and the way that she helps bring Finn around, um, I think were fantastic. And she's got one of the most powerful lines in the movie when she says, you know, we're we're going to win by saving what we love, not killing what we hate. Um, I think I flipped that, but you know, the, I, that's what really works for me. In um, so that, like I said, there's some great moments in this. Um, I, I, I do think the Luke Ray stuff is, is fascinating stuff. Uh, but if I'm perfectly honest, it's the, the battles, it's the excitement, it's the action in Star Wars that really attracts me and really gets me going. So that's what really worked for me. So, yeah, it, there there is so much that is that is great about this movie, um, from both individual moments, but even just in a broad sense. This this is a very good movie, um, and uh, yeah, you know, I mean. Ryan said one of the big, you know, one of the big themes of the movie is dealing with the past, right? Um, and you have a character like Ray, who is trying to reconnect with her past so that she can move forward, and then you have, you know, Kylo, the opposite side of the coin, who's trying to kill his past so that he can move forward. And ultimately, Luke ends up being kind of the middle ground of embracing the past but making it something new. And I think that's also what Last Jedi is doing for the Star Wars story in like in a, in a, in a, you know, big, in a big way is, um, you know, obviously right. A big complaints, people like, Oh, it crapped all over the originals. It crapped all over my star Wars. I don't think that's true at all. It's contending with that past and saying, don't idolize everything that came before because that prohibits you from ever going forward. And I think that's kind of true. Um, but ultimately Ray takes the Jedi sacred text She's moving forward in a pure way of what it means to be a Jedi. Um, 
So I, I have a lot of hopes for what episode nine can be. Um, so we will see what happens in a couple of years. Um, but uh, really, Steve, quick, yeah. Did, did Steve? Did you get to go over some of the stuff? You yeah, I did a whole rant on. I did a whole rant on that earlier. Okay, just want to make sure <laughs> we. we didn't. I didn't want to come off as just negative on the movie, if you recall. That's right. That's right. Right. We, you know, I mean, um, to be fair, and and um, we've talked about this movie a lot now, Jason, in the last month or so. Um, and I think we've been honest about what we've really loved because there's a lot there we've really loved. And we've also been honest about what we didn't really care for. And at the end of the day, we're just like probably so many of you are just figuring out we're figuring out our place in all of this. Right. And uh, I think at the end of the day, as long as Star Wars continues to move you, makes you be a creative person, makes you excited and invites you to become someone better than that's all it needs to do. If Last Jedi did that for you, that's awesome. And it it, it, it sort of did it for me, which is why it's not really my favorite Star Wars movie. Um, so that being said, before we close out this episode, and I told you both, I gave you a heads up before we, we started recording, but I, I wanted to challenge the two of you to just really quick, as, and again, the, I know these things are always, they can change on a dime, but it's fun to do whenever a new Star Wars movie comes out. I, I want you to rank your Star Wars films. Um, I'm happy to go first because I knew I was going to throw this on you guys. So I've already listed mine. Do you want me to go first? Sure. <laughs> okay. So I'm not giving any explanations. I'm not asking for any explanations. Just for what, what, what is your favorite, favorite to least favorite Star Wars film? Again, I will preface with I love every Star Wars film. But this is just my order as of right now. Always and forever, The Empire Strikes Back followed by Return of the Jedi, followed by Phantom Menace, followed by Rogue One, followed by Revenge of the Sith, followed by The Last Jedi, followed by A New Hope, followed by Force Awakens, followed by Attack of the Clones. That is my list. Steve, you want to go? Certainly. Certainly, Carl. I sure will. (laughs) Am I going from favorite to least favorite or least favorite to favorite? Favorite to least favorite. All right. I think you broke Carl. Oh, man. I love you, Steve. My fa- <laughs> <laughs> I love sitting in my pajamas and talking about Star Wars. <laughs> uh, all right. Here we go. My favorite is Return of the Jedi. Uh, in a surprise move, followed by A New Hope. Uh, followed by Empire Strikes Back, followed by Revenge of the Sith, then The Phantom Menace, then Attack of the Clones, then The Last Jedi, then The Force Awakens. Rogue One doesn't get it to be in there? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize we were putting in Rogue One. Put Rogue One in there, please. Rogue One's going to come after Episode 2. Okay. All right. Um, Well, here's mine. Um... Then why didn't we put the Clone Wars movie in there? No, <laughs> because it should have been the beginning of the television show. Yeah, um, and sitting it in my pajamas watching Clone Wars tonight. Then pajamas. Are you gonna Are you gonna watch the Clone Wars episode with where Count Dooku wears his pajamas? Um, Dooku pajamas. He's got like really glorious silk pajamas. He um, does pajamas. Anyway. Enough about the pajamas. Um, I feel like this should be a new creature in Star Wars. We need to like have, 
you know, Kylo the, the Kylo Ren was wearing pajamas. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Kylo Ren's pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to put a cowl on. Um, but my order here, um, and this is subject to change, obviously. Uh, Return of the Jedi, Attack of the Clones, Rogue One, uh, Revenge of the Sith, and Phantom Menace. Uh, tied. Um, the Last Jedi, Empire Strikes Back, Force Awakens, A New Hope. So that's my order. Awesome. Now, Do you watch Star Wars in your pajamas? <laughs> yes. To sometimes. Any, to anybody who wants to just say your order is wrong, remember, this is all subjective. No one's order is right or wrong. Um, yes. Sad that I have to say that, but I'll... I guess we'll never get over the wounds of somebody giving us a bad iTunes rating because uh, we said Newt Gunray was a better villain than Tarkin. Well, I liked not, Newt th- Gunray. Yeah, that you liked Newt Gunray. I liked than. Newt Gunray better than Tarkin. Well, but to be fair, yeah. Jason, that's just because you can do his voice easier than you can do Tarkin's. Well, that is true. I'd be happy to receive the ambassadors. You may fire at will, Commander. <laughs> you may fire when ready. I'm in my pajamas. John, <laughs> doing a super remote to make an effective demonstration, but don't. I'm not it. quite ready we'll yet. Do with your rebel friends soon enough. Grand Moff, I'm not quite ready yet. I'm still in my pajamas. One more. <laughs> well, Grand Moff talking. Peter Cushing was wearing his slippers whenever they didn't have to fill his feet. Um, the boots were too uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bet you he didn't complain like Anthony Daniels, though, the world's biggest crybaby. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. <laughs> wow. I just don't like him. I love 3PO, but I do not like Anthony Daniels. Mm. He just seems like a miserable person. So, well, then. You know who hated him? Kenny Baker. So, uh, Yeah, I do know that they did not get along. Yeah, and it's because he was an ass, yeah. according to Kenny Baker, and that seems 100% accurate. <laughs> well, we also have to remember Kenny Baker was a rather crass person, too. So let's... No. They're all human. Mm. Well, yeah. they're both droids. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Frass. I didn't say rude. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, before we before we wrap this up, um, we are going to get back to form next week with a top five episode, which I'm very excited about. Um, and also, we're going to pull out of the bag because it's been a while. But it, we we stopped at a perfect point because we finished with the prequel trilogy. Um, where we've been going back and asking you to tell us your favorite musical moments in Star Wars. We did the the prequels so far, so. Um, obviously the perfect bridge of the prequels and the originals is the great Rogue One. So we want you to let us know what your favorite musical moment is in Rogue One. So, um, be sure to do that. Also, just a reminder of, um, the mini episodes that are going to be out once a week now on our Patreon. Please, if you're interested in that or interested in supporting the show, head over to patreon.com. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when is this episode going to go out? Do you know? (laughs) It's going to go out tomorrow. Okay. Well, I would like to promote something, if I may. Please. I was gonna you're not allowed, Steve. You I was going to let you. Can I? <laughs> I just want to let you know, so when you're ready, come to me. Okay, will do. Thank you. I'm sorry. Patreon. <laughs> Never... That's where you're at. You're on yeah. Patreon. So on Patreon, if you, if you want to check out these mini episodes, where every other week Jason will be breaking down a, a side character of some kind, and every other week I'll be giving you a little bit of Star Wars wisdom, hopefully. Um, head over to patreon.com slash podcast and all you got to do is pledge a buck and uh, you'll get access to all of that. Um, so, yeah, thank you 
in advance for all of that. And Steve, what did you? What would you like to to bring to the table, my friend? Oh, thank you so much for asking. I'm really honored to be here. Um, <laughs> Carl, you have a video on your Patreon. I could not get my video to work. I can help you. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> um, thank you so much. <laughs> what was I doing? Oh, yeah. plugging. Yeah. Plug it. January 20th, 2018. January 20th, 2018 is going to be the fifth annual uh, Goliverse Marathon for Cure. Uh, you can find out more about Cure by going to curechildhoodcancer.org. We will be on Mixler.com slash Goliverse starting at 10 a.m. Eastern that morning with the Big Honkin' Show and rolling all day with all the Goliverse. This is how we're making our big comeback to podcasting, um, is doing this. So uh, we we have a goal of $5,000 because of the setback and not being able to Get the word out there and everything. We're really concerned about not being able to meet our goal this year. So um, I'd like to encourage everyone to tune in. And uh, at some point during the day and all day long, you'll hear how you can donate. We'll have, we're going to try to have various and fun guests on. And uh, so there's going to be something for everybody all day long. We start with the Big Honkin' Show at 10 a.m. On, uh, on that Saturday morning. And then we're rolling all day long with the various shows of the Goliverse. So we hope everyone can tune in at Mixer.com. Slash Goliverse on January 20th, the Cure, the Childhood Cancer Goliverse Team-Up Marathon. You're such a wonderful and, person, Steve. And, and you- I will. I want to let everybody know that Steve does this in January because it's his birthday. So he chooses his birthday to raise money for uh, Cure Childhood Cancer. Because Steve right. is a great human being. No, Steve is a piece of crap if you read <laughs> It's very Rose Tico of you, Steve. Thank well, you. I don't I don't know who that is. Do you know who Rose is from Last Jedi? Oh, that's her last name yeah, is Tico? T- yeah, Tico. They couldn't give her a better name than that? <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> Have we ever had... Never mind, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Um, about oh. Star Wars names. Um, <laughs> but, but, Steve, you really shouldn't read the Twitter reviews about yourself. They're never right. Um, they're always wrong. I'm... I'm digging myself into a hole here, and I really should just <laughs> stop talking. I just appreciate you guys being willing to be associated with me. I love you. <laughs> I love you. And, uh, you know, some people just get off on, on just trying to bring other people down. So um, I know yeah. the type of man you are, Steve. It's the man I want to be. I will be your father figure. Put your tiny hand in mine. I will be your preacher teacher. I don't know any other words. <laughs> oh man thank, all right steve thanks so much for taking Carl. the time to be on i appreciate it yes thank you guys for having me I've, I've enjoyed being with you guys we've enjoyed having you on and carl if people want to uh, weigh in on our topic here if they want to respond to our poll where can they do that so glad you asked jason obviously on uh facebook um, Wampusler Podcast on Facebook. Find us on Twitter at Wampusler. Emails are Wampusler Podcast at gmail.com. And you can always head over to patreon.com slash Wampusler Podcast. That's all of it. Be sure to check out Steve Gloss and all the great things he does uh, with Geek Out Loud and the Goliverse. Um, but that'll wrap up this episode of the Wampusler Podcast. It's been episode number 265. Our place in all of this. For Carl and Steve, I'm Jason, and we will see you next time here in the Wampus Land.
Are you sure you don't like my mask? <laughs> I'm sure. Okay, go. <laughs>